Hello, my name is Mikey Barge and this is the podcast from the Greater London Youth Foundation. And this is the Greater London Youth Foundation presents the Mikey Barge Show. Each week, we will talk to young people who are doing great things in their community or how they overcome failure or health issues and so on. What have they learned from life's lessons that they can pass along to everybody? We will also talk to some adults who are doing great things for young people in their community sometimes too. Our sponsors are the John Lyons Charity, the Big Lottery Community Fund and Harrow Council. We'd also like to thank the Young Harrow Foundation and Voluntary Action Harrow Cooperative. It's not all serious stuff we do, okay? We take everything seriously though, don't get it twisted. But if you want to get involved, our details are in the notes. Come talk to us. Today's show is all about how to become a psychologist. It's probably one of the coolest jobs in the world. A lot of people ask for it. It's one of the biggest requests. So we're going to find out. In just a little bit, we will have two young people who are both on their way to becoming full-time clinical psychologists. First, we'll have Halima, currently studying psychology. And then we'll be joined by Jasmine, an assistant psychologist at the Priory Group, to share their amazing journey. This is going to be so insightful for anyone wanting to become a psychologist. Please stick around for the rest of the show. But now it's time for our news highlights of the week. Our top story number one. Kim and Kanye's marriage is reportedly over. Finally. Now me and Kim can be together and stop hiding our relationship from the press. Aw, oh, boo-hoo. What a shame. Are you surprised? Do you care? No. Either way, a lot of people are going to make a lot of money out of this divorce. But then again, so will they. I mean, she can make a TV show out of this and he can make another album out of it. I am a god. There's a lot of material. You know, I, I know what you're going to try to do is you're trying to, you know, you're going to try to videotape it. Hmm. Maybe this is a publicity stunt. Just to let you know, both of them are reported to be worth $1 billion each. $1 billion. So if they both have a billion, do they just swap it over or do they just part ways? There's no point. You're both rich. That is going to be a hell of a divorce. That would be a hell of a TV program. Would you watch it? They could be using this as a big uh, marketing tactic uh, just to stay relevant and stay fresh. They had the marriage, they had the kids, and now it's time for the divorce. It's a trilogy. Our top story, number two. This week, sleepy, creepy Joe Biden has been sworn in as the 46th president of the not really United States of America. It was just a few days ago when he stood at that iconic US podium and gave that passionate, uplifting, energetic first call of address to the nation. Each of those patriots have taken the oath first sworn by George Washington. But the American story depends not on any one of us, not on some of us, but on all of us, on we, the people. Are you entertained? Are you not entertained? I miss Obama. Joe, I have to say, me and Michelle, we thought it was boring, okay? It was dull, it was dry. You could have got Beyonce. That was not the best speech I've ever heard. At least I had hats, I had t-shirts, I had helicopters, I had models, okay? That was the most boring inauguration I have ever seen. There was nothing to it. People were falling asleep. They were putting the mask over their eyes to cover their eyes so they couldn't look like they were asleep on camera. Am I right? Uh, He's right. Say what you want about Joe Biden. The man is a healer because after listening to him for 10 seconds, he immediately cured my insomnia. Obviously, people couldn't attend the ceremony this year, but they still put on a great show. Yes, they did. They had performances from Justin Timberlake, Jennifer Lopez, John Legend, and Lady Goo-goo-goo-goo-goo-goo-goo-goo-goo-goo-goo-goo-goo-goo-goo-goo-goo-goo-goo-goo-goo-goo-goo-goo-goo-goo-goo-goo-goo-goo-goo-goo-goo-
Um, and obviously, you can guess who wasn't there at the ceremony. Donald Trump. Yes, he broke many, 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 many years of tradition by not going to the ceremony and instead going to his beach resort in Florida. I'd rather be in Florida than... It's really not like the movies. The bad guys in real life seem to have happy endings. They sail off into the sunset with their retirement packages. By the way, he has been impeached. Yes, Donald Trump has been impeached, his second impeachment. I think that does mean that he's not going to be entitled to the retirement package money that he would be getting from the United States. I believe it's $250,000 a year plus $1 million every year travel allowance. Yes. $1 million. And also 10 years of Secret Service security. I believe because he has been impeached, he might not be entitled to the presidential package. We shall see. That would be a nice um, cherry on the cake if that is the case. Um, I mean, you don't want him laughing all the way to the bank. Again, again, again. I'd be upset if I was Joe. That ceremony, a ceremony's go, was pretty dry. Okay. In fact, it was trash. It was trash. No one was talking about it. You weren't talking about it. No one messaged me. No one contacted me. It looked more like the rehearsal. It looked like the sound check. Very forgettable, unforgettable moment. Obama and Trump had way bigger inaugurations. Way bigger. Way bigger. Way bigger. Okay. That would. I wouldn't be happy if I was uh, Joe. I'd be like, no, we're waiting until next year. That doesn't count. That doesn't count. That ceremony was kind of like when a kid has a birthday party, but it's downscaled this year because the parents blew out all their budget on the older siblings. Oh, we're just going to have a small dinner. We're just going to have a small dinner this year. Just a few friends, nothing fancy. We'll do something big next year. Wasn't Jennifer Lopez in that film, The Wedding Planner? They should have got her to plan it, not sing. Plan the wedding, J-Lo. Those are the top stories of the week. Now, let's talk about psychology because that is on my mind. Excuse the pun. I didn't even try to do that. Now it's time I think we should go over to our guests who are going to give us some insight about their incredible journey. Hi. Can you tell us a little bit, you know, your age and, and where you're from? Oh, okay. So I'm Halima Numan and I'm 23 years old. I'm from Islamabad, Pakistan. Amazing. What's the weather like? It's cold out here. Um, it's just been around since the start of January that the temperature has risen up a little bit, but it's still quite cold here. And have you always lived there in Islamabad? Yeah, I've always lived here. Even my dad, when he moved here, he was just eight years old. So like we've always lived here in Islamabad. And can you tell us then what you're studying at the moment? Okay, so I'm in the final year of my bachelor's degree, seventh semester to be precise, and I'm pursuing my bachelor's of science in professional psychology from Beria University, Islamabad. And what is it about psychology that appeals to you? Um, all in all, I think that psychology is like really um, embedded in our daily life. Uh, we can't say that uh, since just I'm becoming a psychologist, so I need to study it. It's about the human psyche and everybody needs to know something about psychology. So um, right after I uh, completed my high school, I wanted to pursue MBBS, which is a medical degree, and I wanted to be a doctor, but I couldn't make it. So the second option that I landed on was psychology because it always kind of intrigued me to know more about the human mind and behavior and how we behave and work and think and why we do that so yeah and it, and am I right in saying that psychology kind of that you specialize in certain um, uh -huh. avenues of psychology is there something um, deeper that you want to pursue oh yeah definitely I would uh, love to pursue child psychology and since I just have one semester left so I'm currently applying for various universities abroad so that I can uh, have my master's degree in child psychology, preferably. And what is it about child psychology that appeals to you? I don't know. I think that children are fun to work with. And plus, I think that uh, building a person is far easier than um, changing a grown-up individual to mend their ways. It's easier to formulate or mold a child into a good human being, I'd say. That's interesting. And 
I we don't know much about child psychology other than what we've seen in films uh, yeah. and media. What are some of the misconceptions about psychology that you've seen that aren't really true? Um, okay, yep, there are so many. First off, uh, people think that a psychologist and a psychiatrist is one and the same thing, which is totally incorrect. What's the difference? Um, uh, the difference is that uh, you become a psychiatrist when you pursue a medical degree. So you're a doctor. Does that mean that you can but prescribe with psychology, medication? Yeah, yes, you can prescribe medications. And that's what they basically do. But they do uh, work in collaboration with psychologists. So uh, where a psychologist has its limits, he can't prescribe a medicine. He refers his client to a psychiatrist so that if the case is too severe and that the client definitely needs to be put on some sort of medication, then he must uh, have some professional to do that. We as psychologists cannot do that. And, and why is it that you didn't pursue um, psychiatry? Um, well, because I, I'm not really into medicines that much. I'm more of a therapy oriented person. So I think that uh, remembering names of medic medications and their side effects and what it's for is not that appealing to me. But uh, learning about various types of therapies, the techniques, the interventions and the subtypes, that interests me more. And who would you say your favorite psychologist is? Um, I don't think I have enough knowledge to talk about that because I haven't really looked up about famous psychologists, but I do have some people in my mind that taught me during my degree. And I really want to be somewhat like them and their psychologists. So there are a few of my teachers that I really look up to. That brings me to my next question. Who are the three okay. people who have been the most influential to you? Oh, okay. Then that brings um, in my parents because obviously they've raised me and whatever I am today is because of them. And then of course, there are those teachers that taught me during my bachelor's degree program that really made me think that uh, being a psychologist is more about unlearning stuff, uh, wrong stuff that we are, a society, uh, we are taught as a society and we're conditioned with and becoming more human, becoming more um, in touch with your own self and then uh, progressing it or teaching it to other people. So I think a few of my teachers were really amazing and I would love to become like them one day. That's inspirational. And, and can I ask you then, um, what advice would you give someone wanting, let me say that again. What advice would you give someone wanting to pursue a similar career as yours? Oh, okay. So I'd say that uh, you cannot fake passion so that if you're really not passionate about psychology and what it has to offer, then don't step into this. I mean, you can't fake passion in any field, but especially not in psychology. And the basic principle we're taught to practice in a therapy room is empathy. But I'd say that start becoming self-aware if you want to come into this field, because becoming aware of your own self, your emotions and your feelings, your traumas, your triggers, your flaws, your imperfections, that is part of what therapists teach their clients. So how can a, someone who is not self-aware make someone else become more self-aware? And if you do that, you would do more harm than good by coming to this field. And it will not only change the lives of those around you, but it will also make your own life worth living. Then all in all, be empathetic, be kind, be tolerant. Start by practicing it in your daily life while you're still a student and not a professional. It will make you a psychologist in the true sense, I'd say. That's a brilliant answer. And can Thank you tell us then, what is your biggest failure? What would you say your biggest oh. failure is and, and what did you do to learn from it? Um, I don't think I've ever ranked my failures in an order because I don't know. I think the That's way I take my failures is that I try my best to learn from them and not repeat the same mistakes that caused them. You know, I keep the lesson in my mind, but I make peace with the failure and move on. This is why I don't think I have a single regret in my life till date. So, yeah. Is that the psychologist in you? That's I wouldn't say that because uh, I, I vividly remember that when I started my degree, 
uh, we were asked this question by a lot of our teachers that what's your uh, what's the biggest regret of your life and i i was the only one in the whole class who used to say that i don't have a regret in my life and i think uh, part of the reason is that it might have been polished by coming into this field i would surely say that except that but it has always been in me i can't stay stay stuck in a place stuck stay stuck in past on a failure that i can't do anything about so i just accept it ex- take the lesson with me and then move on that's a brilliant answer what's one thing then you wish you had known when you began your 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 path to psychology oh okay that's easy man um one thing that i would have i should have known would be that it's not going to be easy and that you won't be able to help everyone because i've come across people who i wanted to help and i tried to but i just couldn't and maybe because they weren't ready to be helped you know and the ease i think most people even i myself used to think that all that therapists do is talk it's not till you actually step into this field do you realize how hard it is to provide someone with an atmosphere that they think it is safe enough for them to open up about their struggles it's not easy it requires a lot of effort to be physical mental or emotional it physically drains you to listen to someone talk about their trauma for even 15 minutes and then of course we don't just listen we can't get carried away with the emotions that the stories bring up in ourselves we need to assist them get out of it or face it using various therapeutic techniques so yes it's not easy but it's definitely worth it when you see someone getting better because of your help and in 5 years time then where would you want to be in 5 years time okay so i would probably possibly want to be a child psychologist working in an institute or an educational uh, setting uh, helping out children uh, with their problems or maybe even even a clinical psychologist i'm not really sure about that but i really want to pursue it related to child children so yeah Can I ask you what's the difference yeah. between um you've addressed psychiatry and psychology what's the difference between therapy and counseling and psychology uh, okay so in um therapy and counseling it's a bit uh, interrelated i'd say that uh, psychology is as a whole a subject now it has various subtypes to it so there is counseling there is therapy and then there are other forms as well but there's a term called clinical psychologist and that a person becomes when he has the license to diagnose a person with a specific disorder uh, using that dsm-5 the criteria of american psychological association but other than that there are various therapies which would if you have the license to practice then you're a therapist and if you uh, have the license or degree in counseling then you uh, then you can counsel in educational settings or maybe even in a personal office of yours so they're interlinked and when you when you become a psych- clinical psychologist uh, mm-hmm. i just answer the question are you working within a medical association or or can you set up your own private Institute. yeah yes it it really depends uh, you can work privately you can also work with organizations or institutes uh, but even if you work in private you have to have a license or a reference or a supervisor with you in case uh, there is a severe case or in case you have to report certain things to uh, another authority so you have to be linked with uh, the clinical or medical stream with institutes or organizations Brilliant. Well, we're going to wrap up in a very soon. I just want to know um, where can our listeners connect with you online? Okay. So my listeners can collect uh, connect with me through the, the my LinkedIn profile. It's Halima Noman, or through my Instagram, which is Halima Ka Blog, uh, it, uh, and either through my email as well. It's Noman Halima at the rate of Yahoo dot com. Wow, that was very informative indeed. Now, let's jump over to our next guest, Jasmine, who's going to give us some insight about her journey. Hi, I am Jasmine Florence. Thank you, Jasmine, for joining us today. Uh, could you please just tell us your age and where you're from? 
Uh, so I am 21 at the moment. I'm 22 at the end of January. So coming close, getting a bit older. Um, I am from a city called Norwich in Norfolk. It's like that little bit of the country that sticks out on the right hand side. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> and here you are. And are you still in Norwich now? Are you are you are you, are you in London? Yeah, I'm not in the city of Norwich. I've moved to a little town called Wotton that's in the same county. Um, it's about 20 minute drive away now. Yeah. Oh, excellent. And I want you to tell the audience um, what you do for a living because it's so fascinating. Yeah. Uh, so I am an assistant psychologist. I work in a forensic hospital for those with learning disabilities. So all of the patients who I kind of work with are diagnosed with either a learning disability or some form of autism. And in their history, at some point, they've committed some kind of criminal offence. So they're there to kind of um, kind of be rehabilitated and, and helped with their you know, mental health and ha like how to function in society again. So they kind of get reintegrated back into the community once they leave our service. Wow. Um, and it's with the Priory Group. Oh, we're going to get into the Priory Group. And just to say, um, can you explain what the Priory is for people who don't know? Um, so it's basically a group of companies. I think there's healthcare adult healthcare, education and mental health. Um, I work for kind of the, the social work healthcare side of it. And it's basically like a private, privatised company, kind of like the NHS, but it's like a private service, if that makes sense. It does, because when I think of the Priory, I remember reading tabloid magazines ages ago, certain celebrities going to the Priory. Um, yeah, yeah, I think um, it's, it's got a bit of like a, a reputation thing like this um, kind of celeb pri private place. But I, it, like most of the people that come to us for within my service are just kind of, you know, normal people. I don't have any like celeb stories or anything, unfortunately. <laughs> Why is that? Why are the celebrities going there? And by the way, let me just read off the list of some of the celebrities that, that have been popping in and out of the Priory. I've got Lily Allen here, Susan Boyle, Eric Clapton, Pete Doherty, Johnny Depp, uh, Ricky Hatton, Jade Goody, Kate Moss, Amy Winehouse, Katie Price, Sinead O'Connor. I mean, this is a very, Robbie Williams, this is a very, you know, millions and millions <laughs> of dollars in that list right there. So why, why is it connected? Why do celebrities, why does it appeal to celebrities so much, the Priory? I'm pretty sure there's um, loads of groups. I probably it's it's like a it's like a private nhs i guess so maybe there's some people that are kind of wanting to live that like life where they kind of are like oh i'm going to private companies not like national services maybe to kind of i don't know look a bit better but maybe also it's like a bit more confidential in a way they feel like they have a bit more trust in a private company you know there might be like leaks and stuff in the nhs people might find out why they're in the, using those services so maybe it's just a bit more trust worthy in a way because it's not like a nationalized service maybe i'm not really sure to be fair <laughs> well, there must be some sort of it's the, the discretion the utmost discretion that they have at the priory and you know <laughs> i'm pretty sure most of these nurses and psychologists and doctors want to write a book one day of all the all the stories they've seen but yeah they probably could <laughs> here's a question for you then um what is some of the most what are some of the biggest misconceptions on psychology or how we treat patients that I might have been exposed to from the media and it might not be quite accurate or maybe undersold. What are some of the misconceptions? Um, one really big misconception that I get when I tell people is that I'm a psychologist is they think we can kind of read your mind and answer all of your problems and, you know, just we can look at you up and down and we can see everything that's wrong with you and then we can cure you. Um, which unfortunately isn't true. I would love to be able to read minds, but it's not how it works. Um, we are just normal people, um, just with like the right training and guidance. Um, uh, so I think that that's probably the biggest one. Um, you know, it takes a lot of a lot a lot of training to become a psychologist. At the moment, I'm still an assistant, so I've got like years and years to go until I'm that level where I can just kind of 
help people kind of cure their, their ailments, I guess. Um, but that I think that's, I kind of used a word there that's probably another misconception. When working with mental health, you don't, you can't really cure anything. It's more like learning to live with things that you couldn't live with before. Um, like not being too overwhelmed by like things that happen in your, in your daily lives, getting coping mechanisms, um, like recovering from mental health is like a lifelong journey. Um, it's not something that can be cured overnight with a really good therapist or some really good medication. I think that's a really big misconception. Um, yeah, that, that's probably the, the two biggest ones. That is interesting. Um, and another another one actually, just oh. while while we're on this topic, um, is that is like the perception that we have of people with mental health issues. I think we hear a lot about depression and anxiety, and we're kind of getting a better understanding as a society of what that means. But for like the less common ones that are talked about, schizophrenia, um, any kind of psychopathology we have like really, really bad misconceptions of what, what that's like. We kind of think of these crazy, dangerous people who need to be locked up and kept away from the community when really, really they're not like that. They're just usually normal people that have had some kind of trauma and they've just not reacted well to it. And they, they can sit and have a conversation with you. They can just be a normal person. Um, yeah, that's another big one. Wow. And, and we're going to talk about some of the training that you did to become a psychologist. But just before we skip that, you mentioned some of these people, um, some of them have criminal backgrounds. How serious does the, does the level of criminality get? Are we talking about petty crime? Are we talking about criminal masterminds? Um, and I mean that lightly. Yeah, I mean, I've not met any criminal masterminds as of yet. <laughs> um, but I think it's really when I, I started the job that I'm working at in the minute it's in September so I've been working there for about three three four months and they don't come across as you know like horrible people they're not they're all so lovely you, you wouldn't you don't really think about these crimes too much when you're talking to them sometimes when like you read off like a sheet of paper their crimes sound a, a lot worse than they actually were because it's circumstances they've had to end up in these services for a reason so they have committed some of them quite serious crimes um but the majority of them are, are, are not not that serious they're kind of just petty things most people i look after and support they're there because of their learning disability so it's often miscommunications misunderstandings of like how to act in society so they've ended up kind of getting criminal records some of them don't even have criminal records it's just they're concerned that they may possibly commit a crime in the future because of their understanding about you know how we work as a society and and the rules that we should follow as a society if that makes any sense very interesting and uh, yeah so just before i skip this question have you ever seen the film one flew over the cuckoo's nest uh, i've i've actually haven't seen the whole thing but i've seen clips of it um yeah. <laughs> I know that's probably nothing, you know, like the real life at all, but there was a particular nurse in it called Nurse Ratchet, who, who's got a TV series right now. And she's one of those famous nurses that are always connected to sort of, you know, um, mental health hospitals and things like that. And she's known as the, you know, the worst nurse of all time, you know. Why, why would you say, I don't know if you know much about her character, but what was she doing that was so um, kind of evil? in a way what was what was it that nurse ratchet why was she kind of like not the great psychologist as we as she should be um i think it's probably a lack of training and empathy and seeing people who use these services as so, so different to herself um because like i've said a few times already people with mental health like issues and people with using these services are just normal people. Um, I'm sure there's even psychologists that have had to use these services in the past. Um, and we all know somebody who's, who's um, had an, a mental health crisis or we've had one ourselves. But when we see it on film and in books and stuff, they're kind of made out to be these completely different people who are really horrible and they 
and 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 you don't hear anything about their trauma their past experiences it's just they act like this they're bad they need help they they're, they're crazy um and I think that's maybe the way that nurse ratchet kind of sees these these people that she doesn't have empathy that they are real they're human just like her and everybody else that is brilliantly said and now we're on to this point about training and empathy and can, can you talk tell us a little bit about your route to becoming the person that you are today i mean how your study your your schooling can you tell us a little bit about that 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 route yes so um at the moment, like I said, I'm an assistant psychologist. I'm not kind of up there with the with the the, the clinical psychologists and the psychiatrists as of yet. Um, so I need further training to do that. But I can talk you through what I've done so far, and yes, then please. what I'm hoping to do in the future. If that's what, that would you know. be, our listeners would love to hear that. Yeah. So um, I mean, I went to like a standard secondary school, like everybody else. I got my GCSEs. Um, went to sixth form where I, I, I was lucky enough to do psychology as an A-level um, along with a few others. Um, and if if the people listening have the opportunity to do that, I would so recommend it because it gives you like a starting point um, to understand psychology because it's not always offered as a subject. And a lot of the time people go to uni without doing it, which is completely fine. You don't have to do it to get into this route, but it's like a nice starter and it gives you a bit of a background to like if you're interested in it or not. Um, so I went to, to sixth form and I, I finished my A-levels and then I went to my local university, which is the University of East Anglia, um, to study undergrad psychology, which is a three-year course. Um, and there's so many psychology courses across the country, like most of them you can get in with some level of A-levels. They don't have to be like AAA if you've got like three C's and you have a really good application, personal statement, you can get into uni onto a psychology degree. Um, uh, yeah, so I got I, I got onto there and I've done that for three years. And uh, the first two years are kind of like core modules. You do what the uni tell you you need to do to reach like what's called the BPS accreditation, which is the British Psychological Society. Well done, thank you. <laughs> I remember that. It's going to ask you. Bit of a mouthful and hard to remember. Um, yeah, so you do like a two-year core subjects to reach that accreditation, um, and then in your in my third year, I got to pick some in some topics that were interesting to me, so I didn't have to do the core subjects. Um, so I think I picked like applied neuroscience, psychology of mental health and then something to do with like families and social life um because that's the they're the kind of areas that i'm interested in um i would say if you're looking at psychology degrees make sure they are bps accredited because there are a few in the in the country that aren't and if you don't have a bps accredited degree then you can't go into a, a career as a psychologist interesting that's well yeah. noted yeah, that has it has to be accredited by the BPS. So just keep that in mind. The majority of them are, um, but just keep keep an eye out for that when when you're applying. If you're a listener that's doing, oh. doing that, oh, listen, <laughs> thank you so much for that. They don't want to be, you know, do all the training and then find out you can't become a psychologist at the end of it. That would be brilliant. Yeah, um, and then when I finished my degree, I ha I applied for so so many assistant psychologist jobs within so many services. That's they're, they're quite competitive, um, just because I think psychology is quite a pro popular career at the moment. Is it more popular um, between men or women, would you say, uh, psychology? Did you find more uh, people in your class that were women or is it mixed? Or I think in my entire cohort of about 300 people mm. while I was at uni, there was about 10 guys. <laughs> I knew that. I, I was thinking, yeah. yeah. Why is um, which is quite strange because when you're like reading research it always seems to be the men that that we see research from so uh, maybe the men are going into research while the women are going into a different area I, I don't really know <laughs> I don't know that'd be um, something to research who's your favorite yeah. psychologist would you say then oh that's a really really hard one I really there's a there's obviously Freud a lot of people have heard of him he has some very questionable um theories uh, um I, I find it 
fascinating to read some of the stuff he comes up with sometimes uh, because I'm like oh actually this is kind of true and sometimes this is so outlandish that I can't believe anybody ever believed it <laughs> um but yeah I think he's he's up there in one of my top top ones just because he's fascinating um and uh, who else do I like um Maslow he came up with this thing called the hierarchy of needs I don't know if you've heard of it can you explain that for our listeners um, so basically, it's like this triangle that, uh, that says to reach what we call self-actualization, which is basically just pure happiness and joy in, in your life. Um, you have to reach certain kind of stages. So the bottom one is like, uh, I think, uh, like shelter, food, and then it kind of goes up in in like stages of things that you need to survive that shelter food water to things like love and affection um social groups you know self-worth empathy those kind of things and then once you have all of those stages once you fulfill all of those stages you will reach self-actualization and you'll be a happy wonderful person <laughs> wow that is yeah is that a modern is that quite a modern way of thinking or is that something that's been around in for hundreds and hundreds of years in terms of psychology it has been around for quite a long time like the actual hierarchy mm -hmm. but he was kind of ahead of his time i think as a psychologist so yeah. it's something that was kind of at the time people were like yeah okay but now i kind of see it more and more in the world of psychology people talking about it and things it's, yeah so fascinating i find the, the you know psychology subject so interesting so much to go on what advice would you give someone wanting to pursue a criminal uh, sorry say that again what would you what advice would you give someone wanting to pursue a career similar to yours um firstly i would probably say to believe in yourself and i, I know that's so so cheesy but I think um, it's really easy to not think that you know a lot when it comes to mental health, especially when you hear all of these psychologists talking about these fancy terms and things. But I think especially young people growing up in today's climate, you know, surrounded by people talking about mental health, you know a lot more than you think you know about mental health. So give yourself credit for what you know already would be the first bit of advice. Um, Secondly, I would say get as much experience as you can within mental health services. Um, so whether that's volunteering, actually working, um, maybe maybe like volunteering for like an online chat web group to like support people or like a peer program. Um, because once you get to, you've finished your degree and you've done all the like educational kind of side of it, you have to on paper kind of compete with lots of people to get these like assistant psychologist posts. Um, so if you can say, oh, I've worked within young people mental health services, I've volunteered for like a chat group to support people. I, I have experience working within mental health, then you're like already on your way to getting those jobs and, and getting, you know, where you want to go. Um, and I would also say, kind of contradicting what I have just said don't get too obsessed with making your CV really long and filled with all of these experiences um, sometimes one really really good quality experience trumps 20 ones where you worked for two days and you didn't interact with anyone um, so just kind of try and keep your sanity um, and um, it's very strange to you because they <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I just heard Trump and sanity in the same sentence. So I got, I got yeah. blown back there a bit. Some of our listeners did. <laughs> Can I ask you, what is, because you're so honest and you're, it sounds like, you know, you were the right person to talk to because um, you paid attention to your whole, you know, your process and your development. What is your biggest failure, would you say? And what did you learn from it? Um. So... Uh, the, the thing that I kind of look back most and regret, I don't know if it's like a one, it's not really like a one moment failure, it kind of spanned over a few years, is that I, how do I word this? 
I was kind of following a career that I didn't want before I decided that I wanted to go into psychology. What was that? Um, so I, I, I kind of told everyone in my family, all of my friends, everyone that I ever encountered that I really wanted to be a doctor and study medicine. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think... Um, it's not I too far off, though. It's not too far off. Yeah, yeah, I guess not. Um, I thought it, you were going to say, um, I don't know, <laughs> <laughs> ballet dancer or something completely different. Yeah, um, I, I guess it's not too too far out. It's just I... I didn't really think about what I wanted to do and I kind of saw lots of people around me going into kind of medical background like my parents both studied nursing as I was growing up so I kind of was like oh I'll just like be a doctor and I'll do that because I've told everyone I'm going to do that now and I might as well because you know it's a rewarding career and it probably is um I'm definitely not saying it's not a rewarding career but it just it wasn't something I was interested in um I kind of told everyone I wanted to be a surgeon and and I I did so many things to pursue that career that I kind of neglected psychology for a few years and I was kind of like oh it's more a hobby I don't I'm not really going to do it um and it wasn't until I actually applied to uni um I'd written my whole personal statement for medicine and then I like clicked the button of like what course you want to apply for and I was like oh I'm going to apply for psychology um and everyone was kind of like whoa like what you've you've done all this stuff and prep for for medicine why have you just changed your mind um and I I think I was so worried about disappointing people that I just kind of went along with this story for for a long time um and yeah I think what I learned from that is that I need to listen to myself and what I want um, more than other people. And most of the time, when you think you're going to disappoint people, people actually don't really care that much. <laughs> like people, are, like my family and everyone are still proud of me and what I've done. And it's not what I told them I was going to do originally. And it all worked out just fine. That's so inspiring. It, <laughs> <laughs> and it was it was what you said as well which is the funniest thing you told everybody um I, it's all about conviction and you know I'm glad that you are in a profession where you're helping people because it sounds like you know this is something so passionate to you um so yeah. let's carry on very quickly <laughs> what I want to ask you is what's one thing you wish you had known when you began your university because we're just talking about that now what's one thing you just kind of wish you knew Maybe you just answered that, I think. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's probably one thing that I actually wanted to do psychology is one thing that I wish I knew. Um, but also, um, I haven't really touched on it, but I, I grew up on quite, in quite like an underprivileged area. I kind of grew up on a, on a council estate, in a council house, went to schools with very, very low pass rates. Um, money was always like an issue. We kind of went without a lot. Um, when I was young and I kind of convinced myself that I was going to be an outcast when I went to university because university is for rich people it's for people that are well off um I'm not going to be able to do half the things my friends do because I don't come from money um but if I could go back and just shake myself and say that's not true um I would because like there's so many organizations and things that have like helped me out with money and been willing to kind of invest in me as a person to make sure that money's never been an issue in my in like my kind of career and education journey most of that when you think about it um well I was gonna ask you you must be on good money now though uh, I mean, <laughs> assistant psychologists don't get that much money as compared to the actual, the big psychologists. But I mean, it is okay. It gets me by. <laughs> How much do you think the big, because we, you know, we like to get to the nitty gritty. How much do you think these big psychologists are on something, someone at the front? I mean, they have to do, uh, I've not done it yet. They have to do a doctorate to get to where they are. Um, so. <laughs> ah, that's so that's what we need to, so that is the further training that you need. You need to get a master's and a doctorate. Um, so if you come out of, you know, so the thing to become a clinical psychologist, which is what I keep referring as to the big psychologists, um, is a clinical psychology doctorate. Um, and that's a three year 
paid doctorate you get a salary whilst whilst you study for that which is, yeah <laughs> um to get onto that you need either a undergraduate degree which is a two one or above so for your listeners who maybe aren't like don't know much about uni or, or like how the grading system works a first is like an A grade and two one is like a B grade and then you get two two and a third so there's like four grades you can get and a top two you you need to get to go on to the doctorate course alternatively you can do a one-year master's which is like research-based and then you can get onto the course even if you didn't get a two one if that makes sense that does make sense that'd probably be more interesting to go do a research course uh, a research project and then yeah yeah so um that's why a lot of people do it because they kind of feel that their research kind of experience was a bit less during their degree or they haven't managed to get it outside of work so some outside of uni so sometimes people who even get the two one or above still go and do a master's before they go on to the doctorate course um yeah so after the doctorate the doctorate course I think pays about 30k salary a year that's reasonable yeah that's quite good and then after that I think most um most psychologists posts that I've seen offer like anywhere between 40 to 70,000 a year like they they do get quite a good salary (laughs) quite a good salary I must say not going to teach a salary or comedians all right (laughs) you've been so helpful and so lovely I want to ask you one last couple of questions which is that didn't make sense one last couple of questions Uh, I'm meant to be a professional you see um (laughs) Who would you say are the three people that are most influential to you? The three people that are most influential to you. They could be alive, living people you know, or people you've studied in books. I'm just open. Yeah, when when I get asked this que- question, like, or a question similar to this, I always try and come up with, like, a celebrity or an icon that everyone can relate to. But I, when I really, really think about it, I think the people that have been most influential are just everyday people in my life, um so if I had to pick three um that these are going to be probably really cheesy um the your first next one neighbor <laughs> your mother <laughs> <laughs> well I would I would actually say that my dad is probably one of the most influential people in my life um Freud <laughs> told us Freud told us this yeah <laughs> he, no, he um he like studied um, mental health nursing when I like uh, as a mature student, he did it in his 30s. So I kind of got to watch him go through that journey. And it like made me one, so interested in like caring for people and two, like opened up so many conversations between us about mental health and psychology. And it kind of inspired my my route, um, my career route. So he's been a, re- a really big influence in my life. Um, second, I would probably say that again, this is really cheesy, but my middle school head teacher, um, (laughs) he, he was called Mr. Allen. And like I said previously, um, I kind of grew up in a very underprivileged area. Um, and there, and basically this head teacher opened up a middle school just in the slap bang in the middle of this council estate, um, and everyone kind of that went there was living in some form of poverty. Like it was, it was horrible really. Um, But he kind of had this kind of, I don't know, calling to help these people and to make sure that they felt like they were worthy of every, everything that everyone else is. And I think that's kind of a message that he really rooted in me from such a young age. Um, And I think, it's the reason why I've gone for so many opportunities and tried so many things. And I probably wouldn't have tried half the things if he hadn't have convinced me that I was worthy of them. Does that make sense? Completely makes sense. <laughs> so, so cheesy, I know. Cheesy? <laughs> a lot of esteem, you know, it's made you feel proud about who you are. Um, yeah. These are very good role models. Um, yeah. And they seem that they're not just, they practice what they preach. They seem active. They seem on the ground. They seem grassroots. They seem you know, getting their hands involved. Um, yeah. Who would you say your other role models, uh, influence? Yes, 
my, my third one was that if I said two yes <laughs> yeah <laughs> um, Alan, so, you got your father um finally I'd probably say there was very early on in my like working life I kind of worked for a mental health service and there was somebody a, a patient I would say who I was supporting um and I didn't really know a lot and they were so kind of open and honest to talk to me about their mental health and they were going through quite quite a severe mental health crisis and I kind of felt so honored that they kind of trusted me enough to talk to me and I learned so so much about mental health from this patient um and it kind of broke through any stigmas that I had and just like really solidified that I wanted to work in this career and I don't I don't think as a person they probably even know that they have affected me that much um because they did like kind of like solidify this is what I want to do I want to help people and they were so honest with me that it just yeah that really influenced me yeah. I can tell that this is definitely the profession you're meant to do for the rest <laughs> of your life because you're so passionate about it. Where can our listeners connect with you online or any, or any projects or work you're doing? Can they connect with you online? Anything like that? Yeah, yeah. Um, so, I mean, I have a LinkedIn profile. I don't know if like young people are, are that like use LinkedIn that often, but they can look at me, uh, look uh, like talk to me on LinkedIn. Um, if not, I have an Instagram I've just started um, about psychology and working in this career um I literally started it like a few days ago it's called a psych journey um spell that out for us a psych journeys so a just a mm -hmm. and then psych p s oh I'm, I'm having to actually say it out loud hang on let me write it down so I can work out how to spell That's it okay. a psych journey. so yeah so, gone do you want me to say the whole thing again? Yeah, say that. make sure. Say your LinkedIn and your Insta. Say the, both of them so they can get Okay, you. so my LinkedIn is Jasmine Mary Florence and my new Instagram about talking about psychology and becoming a psychologist today is at a psych journey. So A-P-S-Y-C-H journey, J-O-U-R-N-E-Y. <laughs> Excellent. I'm going to follow that right now. <laughs> Thank you. That's really interesting. And we've got loads of our, oh, here we go. Found you immediately. Perfect. <laughs> follow. Great. Thanks. You're getting followers by the hour. This is amazing. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us. It's been a pleasure. A lot of our listeners, you know, you've, you've kind of put them in the right direction, which is all about. So all the best for, you know, your rest of your studies. I know you're going to, you know, do the nation so proud, whatever <laughs> that <you>. means. <laughs> thank you Take so care. much it's really nice to talk to you wow that was another fantastic episode so much insight has this given you clarity has this given you insight will you apply please follow me online at mikey barge on instagram thank you so much and we'll see you on the next episode Bye bye